Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Dynamic Dialogue Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Danny Matranga, and in this episode, episode 348, I'm going to be sharing with you 14 of my favorite training, health, and productivity tips for the year 2024. These are things that I have picked up across the last year that I think are worth taking with you into the year ahead. Specifically, we'll be discussing things like aerobic training, the ideal frequency for training in the gym with weights, how to keep your resistance training progressive and simple, good ways to incorporate mobility and breath work, how to incorporate plyometric work, footwork, and intrinsic foot health work, my preferred way to incorporate things like hot and cold exposure to take advantage of the various benefits associated with each, my favorite cooking tips, my favorite shopping tips, my favorite fruit and vegetable inclusion tips, as well as some things for managing screen time, substances like alcohol and cannabis, and maximizing productivity to encourage more family time, reading, and learning. I think that you'll find these tips very helpful in setting you up for a productive and healthy year ahead, and I'm excited to share them with you. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you in special part thanks to our awesome partners over at Ice Barrel. If you're like me, you want to get the absolute most you can out of your fitness and out of what it is that you're doing in life. I like to make sure that I'm recovering well and prepped for hard workouts. I like to make sure that my cognition is sharp, and I like to make sure that I'm doing what I can to maintain my long-term health. And cold water immersion is a phenomenal tool I use and have used for a while to help me do this. Cold water immersion or taking ice baths is a great way to improve your recovery and performance. Just a few short sessions a week can really make a difference in how you recover. It can increase and improve your heart rate variability. It can enhance performance. It improves mood and brain function. It also provides an awesome boost of energy and focus because when you hop in an ice bath and you get this amazing vasoconstriction effect and your body starts releasing epinephrine and norepinephrine, it kind of lets you re-enter the world awake, energized, excited, and enthused. And I would much rather take an ice bath in the mid-afternoon, especially if I had a hard training session in the morning, than consume more caffeine. Ice Barrel allows me to do this in a super sleek, aesthetically pleasing packaging. It's a beautiful barrel that comes with a matching lid for keeping the ice cold and water inside clean, a nice step-up stool, a cover. It's portable and durable, and it comes in a beautiful matte black and a gorgeous tan. I have the matte black out on my patio, and I absolutely love the way it looks with the fencing I have around the yard, but you can put this inside, outside, on the front porch, on the back porch, in the side yard. It's quite portable. It's very durable. Like I said, the design is super, super sleek, and it's very easy to drain to make sure that you are only getting in to cold, clean water designed to help you improve your performance, improve your recovery, enhance the way your brain feels and functions throughout the day. This is an amazing one-time cost tool that once you have it, you use it a couple times a week. It is one of the best investments you can make in your health. And again, if you want to improve your cognition and performance and you have those midday lulls or you want to be more present for your family or for your friends when you get off of work and you don't want to caffeinate, temperature modulation like ice baths or cold exposure or sauna, heat exposure, 
exposure can be really valuable for increasing that subjective sense of well-being and bringing you back to a place of alertness in a really chaotic world. It's also great for just cultivating resilience. I find I'm much tougher. Again, this is a more anecdotal thing, but I find that I am much tougher, ready to face the day's tasks when I am consistently exposing myself to the elements. Call it bromeopathy, call it anecdote, but I will tell you one thing is for sure, cold water immersion has made a huge difference for my health and well-being and just a few short sessions a week. An ice barrel is the sleekest, best looking, cleanest, and most affordable way to do it reliably. You can head over to icebarrel.com slash Danny to take advantage of their 100% satisfaction guaranteed with again, a 30 day money back guarantee and save 125 bucks on your ice barrel using the promo code Danny. So again, icebarrel.com slash Danny and check out using the promo code Danny to save 125 bucks. So getting into 14 training, health, and productivity tips for the new year, for 2024, uh, and borrowing from Peter Atia here for tip number one. And this is the idea of building your aerobic pyramid. And again, this is borrowed from Peter Atia. And to put it simply, your aerobic pyramid is as is the case with all pyramids, a triangle. The bottom, the width of that pyramid is your aerobic base. This is essentially your sustained aerobic fitness, how well it is that you can engage with low-level aerobic training for extended periods of time or steady-state cardiovascular fitness. This is your base, quite literally, because it is the lowest form of aerobic fitness one should develop. This is zone one, zone two, and zone three. Why I think it's important to build your aerobic base is because it is going to enhance the quality of your training, your cardiovascular system, your circulatory system, your pulmonary system, all of these different systems and subsystems in the body, all of these different tissues from your veins, your arteries, your alveoli, your capillaries, your mitochondria, they all benefit from low-level aerobic training. And developing that base, that foundational component of your pyramid is going to be great for your health. It's going to be great for your recovery. It's going to be great for cognition. It's going to be great for blood pressure. And it's probably going to assist long-term in the mitigation and protection against various forms of disease. Now, the peak of this pyramid is obviously, with most pyramids, narrower more focused, less broad. And that is the peak level of aerobic output. So for many people, this would be the highest level of aerobic work they're capable of doing, meaning sprint work, which is more anaerobic, but the output's very high. Um, imagine work done close to your maximum heart rate, okay? And so when we look to develop our aerobic pyramid, you know, you can actually just use the shape of a pyramid as a guide. The width, the base is wider, so we're going to spend more time there. The peak, the point is narrower, so we're going to spend less time there. However, we want a broad base and a very high peak so we can get the tallest and most stable pyramid possible. Again, this is an idea borrowed from Peter Atia. So when engaging in your aerobic training, I think you can look at things like walking, low level to moderate level, walking, cycling, spinning, rowing, um, I might have said this, hiking, swimming, things that keep your heart rate between, let's say, 60 
and 75% of your max, that's the work that's going to build your base. And I like to aim for around 150 minutes a week. Uh, You know, if you have seven days in a week, you could pretty much just break that down to like 20 minutes a day. So walking with a weighted vest, going on a hike, hopping on a bike, hopping on a rower, um, doing some stairs, doing some incline walking. These are things that if you do 20 minutes a day will make a really big difference. And I think committing to like small daily movement is reasonable when the movement is of low enough intensity. So even for those of you who have like a lifting goal, a strength goal, a physique goal, this could just be like a 10 minute warm up and a 10 minute cool down. That's typically how I will program this work for clients. As for the peak of that pyramid, um, I would recommend not like just going to the track and sprinting, but you know, tools like assault bikes, rowers, where you can have high levels of output um, and a ton of, you know, let's call it reduction in technicality by just being on a machine. This can work really, really well for this type of work specifically how much of this work you do, I think ultimately depends on, you know, your current fitness level. But if you did 20 low level minutes of aerobic work per week, and you made the goal of adding to that 10 minutes of, you know, high level peak work. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but that is essentially like six, 10 second sprints, uh, spread out across most days of the week you'd get pretty close to 150 minutes with most of it being low level and some of it being high level. And that's probably the best way I can think of to structure the development of your aerobic pyramid. Uh, And that is a great tool, a great goal, a great framework for developing better cardiovascular, cardiopulmonary health in the new year. The second tip that I have for making 2024 one of your fittest and healthiest years yet is to engage in resistance training three to five times per week. I don't think most of you need more than that unless you have the goal explicitly of competing in a bodybuilding style show. But I have a very simple guide for determining how your workouts should look. Like this is the this is the easiest way to determine what your workout split should be, whether you're working out three, four, or five days per week. If you work out three days a week, you might as well do total body training focused on mostly compound lifts with a day in between. So something like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, total body, mostly compounds. If you can work out four days a week, I would recommend upper lower training sessions twice a week each. So upper lower with a day or two of rest in between, followed by upper lower with a day or two of rest in between. Again, focusing more on compounds, but we can sprinkle in some more isolation work. Now, if you have five days a week to train, I would follow the same framework as if you had four. I would just make sure that that final and fifth training day is allocated towards filling in the gaps. This can be more isolation work. This can be the stuff you specifically want to develop, which I would assume you're pretty clear on if you're willing to commit five days a week to training. And if you do a 10 minute cardiovascular warmup and a 10 minute cardiovascular cool down spread across three, four, five sessions, you'll get pretty darn close to capping your aerobic base and getting, you know, where you want to be there. It really can be that simple in terms of, you know, figuring out what your workout split should be. But the reason I like three to five is because I think three to five is really reasonable for most people. And I think if you do a 10 minute warm up and like two to three compound lifts and maybe two to three isolation lifts, you can probably get that done in under an hour. 
I've been training for quite some time, so maybe I'm more efficient and, you know, I might be a little bit biased in this uh, prescription, but I can do five to six lifts in about 45 minutes. And, you know, I still include quite a bit of work for the frontal plane, transverse plane, sagittal plane, explosive work, plyometric work, et cetera. So I would definitely recommend, um, if you are somebody who's interested in lifting that you start with less than you might think you need and focused on primarily what works best. Um, a third tip for getting stronger, healthier, fitter, and more productive in the new year, um, is to, again, sticking with that theme of lifting, keep it simple, but train for progressive strength. A lot of you train with too much volume, too many exercises, and you never actually get stronger. Getting stronger for natural lifters is one of the best ways to build muscle and promote progress. And I would argue that like a high volume program executed in the absence of like gaining strength versus a low to moderate volume program that's focused exclusively on gaining strength, even though one might be labeled hypertrophy and one might be labeled strength. The athlete who does less volume that's progressive uh, will probably build more muscle than the athlete who does a ton of volume and is just trying to survive. So I would really, really focus on including some strength-specific work on these compound lifts. And I think for general population clients, athletic clients, hypertrophy clients, just getting started clients, this works so well in 10, 12 years of doing this, 11, 12 years now, um, I'm pretty confident that focusing primarily on progression and strength across the big lifts in like the four to eight rep range should be what you focus on for the beginning of these sessions. Uh, a fourth tip that I think will really, really help, and this is a great tip for sleep, for mobility, for mindfulness, is to do pre prior to going to bed, 10 to 15 minutes of combination mobility and breath work. And this is something that I'm borrowing from a few different people. The mobility work, we can say we're borrowing from Kelly Sturette, and we'll say that we're borrowing the breath work from Dr. Andrew Huberman. And I should say it's Dr. Kelly Sturette, by the way. But I like the idea of doing mobility work, low central nervous system mobility work, so not stuff that's going to just like crush you. This can be things like stretching, foam rolling, holding positions, breathing in positions that are challenging for you uh, before bed. Give yourself a uh, definitive time to do this work. I think that if you carve out 10 to 15 minutes before bed, where so many of you are watching television anyway, uh, or on your phone anyway, and you can stay watching television. It might be hard to do this while you're on your phone, but you incorporate a 10 to 15 minute semi-specific mobility routine. Um, one of the most common questions I'm asked is, do you have a mobility routine or what's a good mobility routine? And when it comes to mobility, as is the case with all training, it helps to be specific. Uh, you know, you should have an idea of what tissues of yours most need mobility. But if you do not, and you are like most people, doing something for the ankles, hips, thoracic spine, shoulders, those are the areas where if you enhance mobility, you'll probably see the greatest and most disproportionate gains in your movement quality. So when it comes to putting together a more global mobility routine, I would do something, like I said, for the ankle, like a combat stretch, for the hips, like a 90-90, for the thoracic spine like some form of extension over a foam roller or a thread the needle and something for the shoulders, like a dislocation with a band or again, any type of articulation of the glenohumeral joint. If you combined a couple of those movements each and every day, you know, 
post-exercise, prior to bed, wherever you can fit it in, I would imagine that most of your movement quality would improve pretty markedly. But mobility is in many ways like learning a language and small frequent sessions, in my opinion, work better than long marathon sessions done semi-regularly. I would work on your mobility one to two times a day in smaller sessions, and I bet you see better changes in your mobility over time. Uh, I like to pair this with breath work, uh, specifically this double inhale, exhale, this <sighs> that Huberman talks about so very often, this CO2 release that is very, very common and very, very much um, consistent with a reduction in nervous system activation. It will get you to a peaceful state. So maybe in between each exercise, you take 10 to 15 seconds to do three to four reps of a double inhale followed by a long exhale. So double inhale through the nose, long exhale out the mouth, maybe do five to six reps of this and then move on to your next exercise. I think combining these things will help you get your nervous system to a place where you can sleep better. Um, and really, I think that's what we're after. The fifth tip I have for you, again, to improve movement quality, mobility, and just the way you feel in your body is to incorporate more low-level plyometric work, more sprint work that's appropriate for your fitness, more coordination and footwork, and spending more time barefoot. Over time, we lose connection to our feet, and we have spent 200,000 years as a species barefoot. One of the strangest things we've done in our evolutionary time frame is spend like 99.9% .9 of it barefoot, like 200,000 years of human evolution. And, you know, we didn't start wearing super cushioned, highly cushioned, narrow footwear until more recently. Um, if you look through the past, you'll find, you know, sandals, you'll find relatively low cushioned shoes that didn't have toe boxes that allowed the shoe or the foot itself to remain fairly open and, you know, the toes to be used. And so more recently, we've lost a lot of our intrinsic foot strength, our foot mobility, our ankle mobility. And what do we have to show for it? We have things like bunions, things like plantar fasciitis, things like foot and ankle pain and restriction. And I would argue that when you get home from a long day of work, one of the best things you can do is just ditch shoes altogether. Shoes, slippers, socks, sandals, anything. Just spend more time barefoot around your home. Try to spend time moving barefoot, getting into unique and novel positions barefoot. Uh, it is good to develop and cultivate the intrinsic strength of the muscles in your feet. We have very much lost touch with it, and I'm very much of the opinion that increasing the time you spend barefoot may well be the simplest way you can enhance mobility, coordination, and proprioception. So many of the cells we use to determine where we are in space, these cells known as proprioceptors, are located at the bottom of your foot. And being in highly cushioned, insulated shoes and socks all the time is like wearing a blindfold all the time and expecting to see well. You are quite literally cutting off those proprioceptors' full ability to articulate and engage with the world around you. And spending more time barefoot can make a huge difference in feeling more coordinated, more in touch with movement. What's going on, guys? Coach Danny here, taking a break from the episode to tell you about my coaching company, Core Coaching Method, and more specifically, our one-on-one -on -one fully tailored online 
coaching program. My online coaching program has kind of been the flagship for core coaching method for a while. Of course, we do have PDF programming and we have app-based programming, but if you want a truly tailored one-on-one experience with a coach like myself or a member of my coaching team, someone who is certified, somebody who has multiple years of experience working with clients in person online, somebody who is licensed to provide a macro nutrition plan, somebody who is actually good at communicating with clients because they've done it for years, whether that be a be via phone call, email, text, right? This one-on-one coaching program is really designed to give you all the support you need with custom training designed for you, whether you're training from home, the gym, around your limitations and your goals. Nothing cookie cutter here, as well as easy to follow macronutrition programs that are non-restrictive. You'll get customized support directly from your coach's email or they'll text you or they'll WhatsApp you. We'll find the communication medium that best supports your goals as well as provides you with the accountability and the expertise you need to succeed, as well as biofeedback monitoring, baked-in accountability support, and all of the stuff that you need from your coach when you check in. We keep our rosters relatively small so that we can make sure you get the best support possible. But you can apply today by going over to corecoachingmethod.com, selecting the online coaching option, and if we have spots available, We'll definitely reach out to you to see if you're a good candidate. And if we don't, we'll put you on a waiting list, but we'll be sure to give you the best shot at the best coaching in the industry. So head over to corecoachingmethod.com and apply for one-on-one coaching with me and my team today. Additionally, I like low-level plyometric work, things like hops, pogos, jump ropes, small things like this to redevelop and reconnect with that tissue property of twitchiness and semi-explosiveness. I think sprinting, again, going back to the aerobic peak uh, that we spoke about earlier, but also twitchiness and explosiveness, you'd benefit from that. I don't recommend going to the track and sprinting. I just recommend moving quickly on other devices, the assault bike or echo bike being my favorite. And then footwork drills, balance drills, fun drills, games, disorganized play. These are all great tools for just redeveloping coordination. The sixth tip I have for you is to play with hot and cold exposure and see if you are one of the people for whom a cold plunge, a sauna, a steam room, a hot, cold shower, um, a simply cold shower, if you are one of the people who can benefit from these different forms of temperature modulation. There are so many companies, um, so many influencers, so many, you know, science educators that are kind of flooding the zone, so to speak, with information about these tools. And I think we know quite a bit about sauna and cold exposure, cold water immersion now, but we're still very much learning and it can be super confusing. So I would recommend trying different things. Uh, You know, this includes hot tub, sauna, steam room on the warm side. This includes cold plunge, cold water immersion, cold shower, cryotherapy on the cold side. I think the simplest way to do it is cold water immersion and sauna but not everybody has access to these tools. So even things like cold showers can be a way to dip your foot, no pun intended, into this space. I benefit tremendously from sauna and modestly from cold water immersion. And I do find benefits to doing them. That being said, I'm fully aware of the practicality of these being a lot lower than all of the things that we've talked about so far, but I would still recommend playing with them. The seventh tip and tool I have that will also be of tremendous financial benefit to most of you, given the cost of eating out, whether that be at restaurants, uh, you know, convenience food stores, 
convenience, food, restaurants, is to cook more at home, cook in bulk, cook in a way that produces leftovers, um, and cook simple, single to two-ingredient recipes. This does not include things like seasoning and spices. But for example, last night, I cut four sprigs of rosemary on my way home walking the dogs, and I cooked two pounds of beef with salt, pepper, and rosemary, and two pounds of potatoes with potatoes, um, olive oil, and rosemary. Very simple, but that made enough food for three meals. My wife and I were able to have potatoes and steak for dinner. We did pair that with some steamed vegetables. There was enough steak and potatoes left over to have potato, steak, and egg breakfast burritos, as well as lunch of just plain potatoes uh, and steak with some of those leftover vegetables. And I asked her, I said, hey, you know, you went to the store and you bought this beef. She bought it at a Mexican grocery store. So they call the beef arrachera, but it's really just skirt steak. And I said, yeah, what, what did you pay for the steak? Uh, do you remember? And she said, well, I spent like 25 bucks on the whole bill, which included the potatoes, two pounds of steak, and a ton of tomatillos, peppers, onions, and garlic to make salsa. And I said, that's so funny because out here where we live in California, I'm spending $25 just to get like a double meat chipotle bowl with guac. It's like 21 bucks before taxes. So out the door, it's like 23 bucks. And I said, that makes one meal with less protein. And this makes three meals, each of which have more meat than you get in a double meat chipotle. And I get a ton of salsa for the week. So I couldn't help but think like, wow, to replicate this, I'd have to spend like $75 at Chipotle. And this isn't a knock on Chipotle or the convenience of Chipotle, but that meal that we prepared was substantially better, tastier, and it obviously spread out across multiple meals. So my tip for you guys is cook more at home, cook more simply, and learn how to cook the basics. Learn how to cook vegetables a few different ways, whether it's steaming, roasting, sauteing, learn how to cook meat on a grill in a saute pan, frying pan in the oven, in the air fryer, learn how to cook potatoes, learn how to cook rice simply in a rice cooker on a stovetop. If you can lock in how it is uh, or lock in an easy way to prepare some of these simple foods that you can prepare in bulk and set some aside for yourself to have later, it will make health, fitness, increasing nutrient density substantially easier. The eighth tip I have for you is borrowed from the Japanese culture, and it is the idea of eating the rainbow. So eating the rainbow is, you know, you could like misconstrue this as just like eating Skittles, which is certainly not something that I would recommend. Um, but there is tremendous value in eating plant matter specifically that is diverse in color, diverse in color array. So to enhance your health markedly, like one of the simplest food tips you could ever give is to eat the rainbow. This means eat fruits, vegetables, whole grains that are in a variety or a diverse array of colors. Reds, greens, oranges, blues, all these different hues that you see in plant foods, right? They're not just variations in color. There are oftentimes indicators of tremendous variation in nutrient density. The flavonoids and polyphenols, the plant compounds that make strawberries and tomatoes red, aren't present in the, in the foods like blueberries, which have unique flavonoids like anthocyanin 
that are uniquely beneficial. So these colors that we see that make these plant compounds appear differently, these fruits, these leaves, whatever it may be, these are indicators of different nutrition. And if you eat the rainbow, you will be exposing yourself to a ton of different nutrition. So instead of just eating the fruits and vegetables that you like, which is very good still, if you have a few that you love and you include those all the time, that's great. But much like a stock portfolio where you might want to diversify your exposure to different companies, I would recommend diversifying your exposure to different fruits and vegetables and aiming to eat the rainbow using color as an indicator of variety so you can get a ton of exposure to unique compounds and different compounds that are found in different colored fruits and vegetables. I think it can be a simple way also to just like minimize thought at the grocery store. Like, okay, I have something orange, something green, something blue, something red, really good, easy, and efficient. Um, the ninth thing I would do, this is huge for productivity, is practice leaving your phone out of the room. Like I'm recording a podcast right now and I just pulled my phone out of the drawer. I put my phone in the drawer because even when I'm recording, if my phone is like sitting on the desk, I'm inclined to check that phone, to find small things, to, to peek at things, to open email and simply putting it in a drawer and closing it, making sure it's out of my line of sight makes a huge difference. But setting screen time limits and practicing just leaving your phone on the counter or in another room where you would have to physically go up and get it is a great way to spend less time on the phone. Uh, the 10th tip I have is to eliminate weed and booze for small stretches. I think booze is substantially more damaging than cannabis, but I'm now over three weeks, um, no cannabis. And I can say I haven't noticed a ton of changes. I certainly miss interacting with the compound that is THC and CBD. I think it has substantially more life enhancing properties than alcohol. But one thing I'll say for sure, living in California, is there's dispensaries opening up everywhere. And I think that too many people are using too much cannabis. And I think that as is they like, if everybody if like, let me put it to you this way. If for years, alcohol was as difficult to get as cannabis was, and then all of a sudden all these alcohol dispensaries started opening up and everybody started trying alcohol and engaging in it and in a semi-compulsive borderline addictive capacity, the way many people can with cannabis, like the, it, it would be so obvious how bad alcohol is, but because we've spent nearly, you know, a century post prohibition, having alcohol extremely integrated into society, we've just come to accept it. Um, but a lot of people are using a lot of cannabis all day long. And I think that if you are super dependent on any compound, specifically a psychoactive compound, it can become compulsive. And thankfully, you know, relative to other drugs, weed is pretty innocuous in so many ways. Um, I would just recommend if you have been abusing caffeine, nicotine, like Zin, or yes, of course, cigarettes, cannabis, alcohol, any other, you know, prescription pharmaceutical like a benzodiazepine or Adderall that maybe is or isn't prescribed for you, that you take some time heading into the new year to adjust those habits and behaviors. Uh, the 11th tip I have that I think will make a huge, huge difference for you is to just simply read more. Uh, I shared something from Naval 
that I really loved the other day with my friend. It was 10 tips to be a better reader. Number one is to read what you love until you love to read. Number two is to read the books they want to ban. Number three is reading a book isn't a race. The better the book, the more slowly you should absorb it. Number four is I always spent money on books. I never viewed that as an expense. It's an investment. Number five is good books are worth rereading. Great books are worth rebuying. The sixth is the smarter you get, the slower you read. The seventh is if you can't speed read it, it isn't worth reading, which I do see as being somewhat counterintuitive to the sixth tip. The eighth tip is reading is the ultimate meta skill and can be traded for anything else. Number nine is a vacation is a very expensive way to schedule the time to read a book in peace. I like that one quite a bit. And the 10th is reading is more efficient when at rest. Audio is more efficient when in motion. So of course, these are all tools for increasing the amount of knowledge and specific knowledge that you take in. But spending more time reading will enhance the quality of your life and it will help to kind of recalibrate and rewire your brain away from these fast, addictive tools and things that we have like TikTok or Instagram, etc. Um, the 12th tip I have is similar to the reading tip. It is to get a membership to your local library so you can get free audiobooks or to get an Audible membership or to subscribe to some great podcasts and fill more of that music time and junk time that might be spent in the car listening to, you know, super aggressive, abrasive music, sad music, whatever, with something educational. The 13th tip is to keep a paper calendar and sync that paper calendar with your digital calendar so that you have two forms of kind of written time blocking in your life. I think that makes a huge, huge difference. And the 14th tip I have is a sleep tip and it is to start your day with movement within an hour of waking light if you can. I know that this is very common uh, in the Huberman protocol world to get up, get moving, get light, but man, does it make a huge difference in my mood, my ability to fall asleep later in the day and my energy when I wake up and hit something physical first thing in the morning, huge difference maker. All right, folks, that's 14 tips for better health training and productivity in the new year. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, be sure to share it tag me so I can say thank you. Um, leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple and Spotify and expect more podcasts like this in the new year. It would mean a lot if you hit the follow or subscribe button and just kept up with the podcast. I try to keep the episodes short, sweet, actionable in a world where there's a ton of podcasts to choose from. I am immensely grateful that you choose mine and I will thank you until I see you on the next one.